This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 18, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New for this year, 2017 opening day rosters, historic Negro League integration, run the ultimate what-if scenarios, tournaments, fall leagues, a redesigned injury system, an improved 3D game, real-time presentation, and game highlights, improved player morale, and team chemistry, and so much more. Out of the Park Baseball 18 has the full sleeper in the bust stamp of approval. We all play it and have for years. Even better, if you buy now through the Sleeper in the Bust podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, and just enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout to not only get a discount, but also help support the Sleeper in the Bust, indie sports video game development, and all the people who work to bring you the great game of Out of the Park Baseball 18. Once again, just go to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER18 at checkout for a special discount and to support our show. Guys, I, I'm obsessed with this game. It is so much fun. Um, I played a lot of OOTP17. You guys have heard me talk about my Twitch streams, twitch.tv slash pspore24. I was streaming my 17 franchise over there. I, I, I did a fantasy draft in 1995. I was able to get Ken Griffey Jr., and Pedro Martinez. I don't know what the computer was thinking there, uh, letting letting both of those guys get there. I took Pedro with my first pick, and then and then got Ken Griffey Jr. I haven't started my new eighteen one for um, for streams yet, but I'm going to. And I'm actually just gonna gonna start over. I, I I won the World Series that first year with the with the seventeen team, but I'm gonna start a new one. We'll do the draft at some point soon, so stay tuned for that. But out of the park is is just so much fun. You've heard me talk about. Uh, other baseball video games I like, they're, they're two different experiences. This is the sim, in-depth, management sort of deal, and then the other game is, is playing. So um, I absolutely love this game. One last time, ootpdevelopments.com. Sleeper18 is, is your discount code. Uh, that lets them know that we, that we sent you there, and they give you a little bit of uh, a little bit off the top as well. If you do play the game, let me know. Let me know what you're doing with it. Let me know what, uh, what team you're going with, whether you're starting historically or going from now. Uh, if you do the fantasy draft, hit me up on Twitter, at Spora. I love kind of seeing how people go because it, it doesn't just play out 100% to, to history. Things can change and you can have guys you know you can have a failed prospect that actually pans out for you so i I love seeing that stuff definitely hit me up there um and 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 thanks for supporting the show by by going to ootpdevelopments.com Welcome to episode 484 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It is Wednesday, August 2nd. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going? It's good. It's good. I uh, The deadline itself was kind of a letdown, though, huh? Um, I don't know. Was it? I thought, you know, two two big guys moving. Three, if you kind of count that the Lucroy thing kind of happened, you know, uh, Sunday evening. I thought I thought it kind of met expectations. What 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 was missing that you would have liked to see? Some hitters oh, moving, perhaps. It just seemed perhaps? like a, a lot of relievers and a couple pitchers. Um, That's it, it, there were no hitters. Uh, maybe it's Luke like Roy- kind of like a Bay Area and maybe even a Detroit centered thing. It's surprised that more rentals didn't go. The price wasn't there. I think. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Is that after uh, JD Martinez went for for three middling prospects and Jonathan Lucroy went for free. Uh, for a player to be named, you know, Lucroy's have a terrible season. Martinez isn't, so it's a little bit different. But there just weren't, there just weren't hitters desired, probably because most of the teams that are having success have already got the hitting piece locked in, and it hasn't been hard to find. Most of the big surprises this year have come from the hitting end, and are on the, you know, a lot of them are on those contending teams. So they needed pitching, and I think that uh, that was reflected in the deadline. But I mean, we had two giant starters move with Darvish coming in late so I thought it was an all right uh an all right deadline it wasn't uh wasn't the best but it certainly wasn't uh underwhelming at least that 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 was my take on it 
Uh, and we will talk about those two big pitchers that moved, as well as the closer aftermath. Get you guys set up for the last couple months here of uh, speculating on saves. But, you know, I do want to start with a question of the day. I know last episode we talked a lot about rookies. Got one more rookie take for you because we had two big ones get called up. Ahmed Rosario for the Mets and Ozzy Albies for the Braves. So factoring those two and Raphael Devers, who's your favorite prospect the rest of the way uh, from, a, from a standard fantasy league standpoint? Yeah, it's interesting that that last bit is very important because I think from a bat standpoint, probably from a real life, you know, wins above replacement type standpoint, I think probably Devers is the man. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's got the batted ball mix that's most conducive to power. He's shown the most power. He's shown patience. He hasn't really struck out that much. He's been great at every new level without even needing to repeat the level and he's off to a fantastic start Devers I mean it's 32 plate appearances so we don't want to go crazy but already 12 hits couple homers has a 12 14 OPS uh, with six strikeouts four walks to your point about the, uh, the 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 plate approach for Raphael Devers so he's he's already looked really good Just, yeah and like you know like the announcer said it's really like like calm cool and collected just really ready you know for Mm -hmm. for the major leagues and so that's probably your answer in terms of the short term especially in redraft leagues i think he is worth picking up for that lightning in a bottle situation how about the new uh nl east guys then with uh ahmed rosario somebody we've been waiting for so i think long term and with that fantasy asterisk that's where the other two start to pull ahead first of all you know, Rosario is a shortstop. Albies is eligible at shortstop in the short term and may end up there given Dansby Swanson's problems. Mm-hmm. So that gives you a lot more positional value than a third base guy. And then between the two, Albies is the one that actually has a batted ball mix more conducive to power. It's Rosario, as much as he could have a good batting average because he's shown good contact and been, you know, and has that sort of ground ball swing that can lead to high babips, you know, when paired with good with with good speed, which he has, and he's a plus defender. Those all those are all the reasons why he's a top prospect. But I have to say, there's something about Albies that I really like. He doesn't have that same extreme ground ball mix. He did a little bit earlier in his career. But most recently, he's been more of a almost one-to-one ground ball to fly ball guy. You know, a little bit, little bit skewed towards the ground ball, but not, not like Albies, who's almost two-to-one. So, you know, given that, you might actually get a guy who has league average power, and then you add in what I would consider blazing speed. I, I would get take Albies' speed tool over if it's a tool or a skill, whatever it is, I would take his speed over Rosario's. And in that case, you've got a guy who has a good mix to take advantage of the major league ball who may hit 15 to 18 homers. I'd say peak, maybe even even 20 and may pair that with 20, 30, 40 stolen bases. I think we have somebody that will statistically look a little bit like Ian Kinsler, maybe. I mean, that, that's really interesting with Albies. And, and you talk about, you say, 20 through 40. I, I think the higher end of that is very much in play. He was 21 for 23 uh, at Gwinnett AAA this year was Albies. And he's got a 79% success rate in mm-hmm. the minor leagues on 102 stolen bases. Only one year was he a little bit kind of off, which was uh, which was last year when he was 70%, 30 for 43 but that was between two levels, so maybe there was some adjustment there that I caused Albies. You know, people control. might point to the fact that he's five nine, but right now the like the the number one contender for the AL MVP is a short dude, exactly with good power. And I'm not saying he looks exactly like Altuve, but you know, there's there are similarities there. I mean, Ozzy Altuve is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, Ozzy Altuve. Like Altuve came up and didn't have the greatest walk to strikeout ratio, but he had the inklings of a good 
you know, batted ball mix that had a little bit more power than you might expect from a short guy. People mm-hmm. wanted him to be this sort of speedy second baseman, but then he kind of kicked it to him to extra gear. I think, of course, that's a best-case scenario for Albies, but the flip side is that his floor is really high. This is a guy exactly. whose defense is going to keep him in the game, who's going to is not a no-power guy, so at least going to hit you 10 homers and steal you 15 to 20 bases. I mean, that's still in today's fantasy game, is still very useful. So I I think of him as the rare high-floor, high-ceiling acquisition that may not even cost you a ton because, for some reason, prospect lists don't put them out there. But Cato, which is the the sort of the by the numbers, uh, it's it's scouting the the stat line. I know it is. It's, It's built to be that, but it's not claiming to be anything else. It's just saying this is what the stats say. And, and they say that Albies is a top 10 prospect. I don't think I've seen, especially since a little bit of an early step back this year or, or, or step back uh, late last year when he was in AAA, I don't think I've seen him as a top 10 prospect on any list. So, you know, I think Albies is an interesting acquire, especially if he struggles a little bit out of the gate. You know, he might be a good offseason acquire. So, you know, I, I like Albies, you know, relative to their stature within the game, fantasy and real. I like maybe Albie's best, but if it's if you made me pick one, uh, you know, Devers is uh, somebody I've been looking at for a long time who I've I've thought would just would would hit the ground running, and um, he's 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 a very good player. I, I love your, uh, your your take on Albies with regards to the speed because I do think that that gives him a high floor, and uh, he's definitely somebody that that we can be looking at next year to make an impact. I will caution maybe uh, I guess he's got a little bit he's got more power than this but I, I just I don't want to get I don't want to fall too much into like a, a Jose Peraza thing either um, so there mm. is downside right you, you've highlighted the the path to upside and speed guys like that are going to maintain a certain value you're going to pay for them uh, on on draft day they're going to cost you a certain thing and the speed can pretty much get you to that dollar value uh, but we'll have to see how everything else falls in place. You look at somebody like Peraza this year, he has 15 stolen bases, four homers, but a 619 OPS. So, uh, again, Albies is better than Jose Peraza. I freely admit that. But he's a 20-year-old, and, and so, you know, there, there, there could be some adjustment. It could, be, it could take a little bit longer than another 20-year-old, Devers, who's, who's hitting the ground running. Rosario is a, is a good prospect, too, and he has – real-life high floor, but I just don't think he has the same speed. He doesn't have the same stolen base success doesn't. rate, doesn't have yeah. the high end, hasn't been and scouted I, the same way. And I don't know that they're going to let him run as much with the Mets. So, you know, you have to take team personality into it now. We'll see if Terry Collins is, is still around, but I just don't ever really... But even think. then, the rest of the team is not a go-go team. It's Exactly. And, you and know, so it's mostly I, veterans. I think that can stifle... Uh, even a, even a speedy guy like Rosario, he has some speed. But Albies, I think a young team like the Braves, they're going to be a lot more open to running. And so I think that that's where he can really uh, really click for you. So uh, Devers, Albies, Rosario, is that your rest of season rank from fantasy? What would you uh, have Rosario? Rest of season? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like they're all going to play. And I'm, I'm with you. There's no real caveats. So uh, the only the only caveat I'd give is, Maybe that long term we may see this a little differently, but long term yeah. we'll see everything a little differently. Well, and, and, and in keeper leagues, you know, dynasty, of course, they're all already taken. Keeper leagues, depending on how deep they are, they were probably already. Some of them are probably already being stashed anyway. So at that point, you've kind of already made your decision. But I like what you say. If Albies kind of gets out of the gate, doesn't do too much this year, kind of meanders along, then maybe an off-season acquire. Not, so I definitely like, like you that. point out, not likely to attempt a lot of stolen bases right out of the bat. So if he, even if he, you know, hits two seventy, doesn't attempt a lot of stolen bases. That does not mean he won't attempt more in a second go around, or that he won't be uh, just as good of a of, of, a, of an acquire. So. Yeah, I think uh, I'd almost be rooting against him if you wanted to go get him. <laughs> in a weird way, I totally hear you because then, yeah, let's in 18, let's gear up for a big season for Albies. All right, let's talk about the two big pitchers that moved. Of course, you Darvish, from a fantasy standpoint, is probably the bigger impact because he also moves leagues, which uh, changes the scope of, of NL only and the AL only leagues that you, know, you lose players when they move over. Um, so Darvish, as a Dodger, what are your thoughts, you know? I'm giddy up. I, I think he probably improved his stock more than anybody at the trade deadline. 
and just you know getting out of Texas, you know, getting away from uh, batters who've seen him the most. Um, yeah, fresh, fresh look. Obviously, interleague play exists, but it's getting, a lot different yeah. when you're seeing him 18 times a year. Or but, obviously not yeah. him 18 times, but you know what I mean. It, it's going to help. In division, you, you see a guy the most, and you know Darren O'Day once told me that he thinks it's not really borne out in the numbers yet, but he thinks that he is he is an, a, a unique look at this. But he thinks that around 20 to 30 plate appearances, people will start to figure him out. You know, since he has that strange. Delivery, delivery. And, and, and the strange repertoire it's sort of interesting to hear that from him that he that he sees something happen around 20 or 30 plate appearances so that is the sort of thing that you can see you can see a guy a ton in in your division in in the season and sort of say okay you know i know that you darvish has the 68 mile an hour slow curve but i also know when he tends to break it out and yeah i'm not going to think about it too often and Maybe he breaks it out early as a Dodger, and everyone's like, "What the heck was that?" <laughs> what, <laughs> Which is, is usually their response. Well, and you know, the interesting thing is, is of course with the with the remainder of the season, September specifically, uh, is going to be a lot of division play. So those teams might get a couple looks at him, but it's still not going to be like, yeah, oh you know, man. They, you they Darvis is going to throw a no-hitter against the Giants, man. <laughs> I mean, and the Padres in back-to-back starts. I'm pretty yeah. excited. You know, I know there was some uh, some down, you know, being down on him a little bit after the, the Miami start. Yeah. I don't know how much of it was, you know, everything floating around him with the uh, with the rumors and just having an off day and it and it snowballing. I know he had a bad day against Boston uh, on July 4th as well. So he has bookend awful starts this month. But the three in the middle are are flat out you darvish like they're the you darvish you expect so i'm not really concerned that 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 miami outing is this is the start of some some collapse for him i just think he got jumped by miami and uh and, and like i said it snowballed into a 10 run disaster i could see him you know it, it's not going to be the same volume impact because he didn't go to the dodgers at the same time that milwaukee got uh sabathia that year but i i can see that kind of impact to where he yeah, I guess just the one thing I'm worried dominating. about is, are they are they doing a six man rotation? It seems kind of like it a little bit. Mm, let's. I see. mean, it's hard to tell with them. I mean, that's that's like, the hard part. But what I mean, is the Dodgers rotation? <laughs> I think. Let's see. You got uh, you got Maeda, and then Brock Stewart goes today. Alex Wood, Darvish, Hill, Ryu. Yeah, so that's six right now. But that's because Darvish isn't there. Does Brock what? Stewart stay in next week? Okay, so Stewart question. is Stewart is pitching for for you, Darvish, but and Kershaw's is out. Or for that's Kershaw what, right now, I would I assume. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Net Darvish starts Friday, and then how does it go from that point? I think is what yeah, we need to probably. see. Like, what does Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday look like? If that's three new guys as opposed to just Maeda and Wood, and, and if Stewart's still in there, then you are talking six man. Well, there's still Ryu, and Ryu's healthy. And starting, I'm, I'm keeping so, Ryu in. I'm saying Maeda, Wood, Darvish, Hill, Ryu until Kershaw gets back. Those are the five I'm saying. Who are you missing then? Hill, Wood, McCarthy. McCarthy? Is it McCarthy on the DL? It's always a safe bet. Oh. Yeah, but I thought it was something small that he was coming back from. Isn't it always? Yeah. Yeah, McCarthy and Kershaw are on the DL. Okay. So right now they have six with Stewart up. It's a blister. Uh, so we'll see TBD on on McCarthy with the, with, yeah. with the blister. Um, here's the thing, though. I don't know if they do a six man. It might only. I, cost I don't know if they're going to go flat out six man. You you got to let you got to keep Darvish on every yeah. fifth day. I think yeah. Darvish and Wood are like exceptions. You work around it with the rest of the guys if you really want these. Uh, if you want six guys working, I know it takes a lot of juggling, but that would not make sense to have Darvish and Wood getting cost uh, you know costing them an extra day to keep a six-man rotation going yeah they're flush basically it would not make sense to pick a brock stewart start over you darvish start. exactly and, and as much no, as i, like I know brock you stewart. like him yeah <laughs> he's been on my radar since you brought him up i've kept an eye and i've been kind of intrigued by watching him and i want to see what's up because you've, you've planted seeds on these guys before and then you know a year down the line it's like oh damn it's really come together now. Chase Anderson's a beast. So uh, I've kept a close eye on Brock Stewart. 16 in a two-thirds scoreless innings. So I guess you were 100% right. He's a stud. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's just close the book on that. Let's just, I mean, it's, that's a win for you, Eno. Let's, let's just book that one, A+. Uh, Darvish is a is a all-in type of guy. If you need pitching in your NL only league and he's coming over, um, 
you know, th this is exactly what you waited for. If you didn't get Quintana, this was 100% what you were waiting for. You got it. Do not half-ass it. Go in, try to get him. He's the guy who can be a game changer like that. So I think you have to push the chips in. Um, not too much analysis there. Ideally, if you have $0 bids, it'll be easier. But even if you don't, I think you got to go all in and just kind of kind of figure it out the last two months. So Darvish, game changer, NL only. We'll see. The other so, one. Sonny Gray to, to New York. Now, yeah. that's an interesting mix there, right? Because he loses the park, but he gains a defense and support. Um, mm. offensively and bullpen. So how's that trade-off look for you? How do you feel about Sonny Gray going from Oakland to the Yankees? You know, I, I thought that the batting average on balls in place suppression that he that he's shown so far, he's a 279 Babbitt for his career. I thought going in that I would find that was mostly a creation of his home ballpark, but it's not. He still has like a 285 on the road. And... Also, like you mentioned, he's had some pretty bad defenses behind him. So there have been other players who have, who have pitched on the same team and had pretty terrible BABIPs. So it's not – although Oakland does suppress things, you know, there, there's another factor at play there, which is all the first basemen on the field. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, when I looked into it, he actually has a bottom 10 launch angle on, on balls and play. I don't think that people – realize how As good he is at getting ground saying, balls like it's it's bottom 10 being a positive here right right like he okay. has a he averages about two degrees on balls in play wow. and you know keichel is the master at minus two but he's right there with like stroman basically I mean, do you, would you think of Sonny Gray as like having a Stroman-esque sinker or or being able to sort of get everything on the ground like Stroman I, I, I was sort of surprised by that oh I I kind of view them similarly, so that that hmm. that, that does compute for me. Um, even though he's tracked at like a fifty-five percent mark, which isn't quite at that rate. This is gray, fifty-five percent, which mm -hmm. isn't quite up there with the Keiko, where you're like, hey, he's definitely in control. Fifty-five that consistently though is still pretty strong. Like if a guy spikes to a fifty-five in a random season, I don't necessarily know that I'm like giving it a ton of weight. But the fact that he's been 52 to 57 including 57 this year for for Sonny Gray that makes me think that he is he is in control here and he's able to uh kind of keep the ball down have that bad suppression that you're talking about so this could be helpful one of the factors that uh, I've heard talked about as well multiple places so I, I don't even know where I first heard it to be honest but it's not my original thought about how Oakland can suppress strikeouts because that foul territory you can have some pop-outs that mm. uh, you get the out which is great but maybe it was you know a two strike situation and and you got out of it, but you might have gotten a strikeout. Now he's up to twenty four percent this year. He spiked back up to the best since twenty thirteen for Sonny Gray with eight point seven strikeouts. Wonder if maybe uh, with a with a twelve percent swinging strike rate, there's even some more strikeout capability with the Yankees. All in all, it's, I think it's a plus for him moving uh, to New York. Yeah, and I and I think that he's uh, going to be undervalued by a strikeout minus walk perspective, just because. And also, actually, from a pitching mix perspective, if you just if you just go in thinking this is sort of a fastball curve guy, I think you're missing a lot of the sort of chopping up that he's doing on the mound. He throws a hard changeup that sometimes gets that sometimes shows up as a slider mm -hmm. that sometimes, and he throws a 94 mile an hour cutter that sometimes shows up as a four seamer in the in the classifications and so you know that that renders his fastballs weird to analyze so you know i would say that in general he's mostly sinker slider curve and those three pitches have the lowest exit velocity allowed and the lowest launch angle allowed uh not sliders but uh but at least sinkers and curves allow the lowest launch angles so that's actually, you know, part of his of his uh, of his secret allure is that he throws those pitches so much. He's not, even though he has he's, a good ninety four mile an hour fastball, you know. And I know that Verducci has been has gone out there and been saying, you know, oh, there's like, you know, only two five ten or shorter twenty eight or twenty nine year olds that have pitched two hundred innings. And once someone like starts listing all the qualifications for a thing like that i'm just like i i stopped listening you know it's uh, like 
but it's just how many? Too, how too, many? It's too small. I mean, I did a correlation between height and outcomes, and I found nothing. But how many are there that are five ten that went to Vanderbilt? Exactly. Whose first name starts with an S, though. One. So just one. So. I'm just saying, dude. Like that tells me sell. That scares me, right? So <laughs> S just, is for I'm sell. Terrified. S is oh, for yeah, sunny. Clearly. S is for clearly. Sell. Uh, no, and like he might actually be a good time to buy because I think a lot of people will see bad park. You know, he's going to give up. You know, regression on Babbitt. Going to give up more homers, and that those things are not all necessarily true given his arsenal. I, I agree. And and last year he had a one point four homer per nine. That was completely out of character was for hurt. him. Uh and exactly. And and so I don't like I factor it in a little bit, but I, I honestly it last year sticks out like a sore thumb for Sonny Gray. He's back to what he was the previous three seasons, uh, right down with his homer per nine being back down to point seven. So I'm pretty excited about this move. It's a solid move. Obviously, he's not available anywhere except via trade or anything, so it's not one of those sorts of deals. But like you said, maybe if somebody's thinking, oh, man, he's leaving Oakland, going to New York, I'll trade him, I would pick him up. I don't think you're necessarily going to get a discount, but I would just pay pay market value to get Sonny Gray. All right, Dino, we told him we would uh, we would cover this closer aftermath after the uh, – after the trade deadline, so we got to get into it. We actually have a lot of situations that uh, uh, now have some some answers to them. We covered some of this uh, our last time out with with it, but uh, let's run down these these new closers and some of these still open situations. AJ Ramos looks like the guy for the Mets now. We we saw when they got him. I think it was obvious that Addison Reed was going to get traded, and then you can kind of look up the news on uh, Jerris Familia, and you see, okay, he's still a little ways away. It's opening the door for Ramos to be the closer, and that's exactly what we've got here. And I actually won't rule out the fact that Ramos could just keep it the rest of the year because, you know, if he does well, by the time Familia gets back, you know, maybe they ease him back in, and then we're talking a week or two. I don't know. You know, I, I, I could see Ramos getting it. So I'm grabbing Ramos as somebody that I think I can get uh, saves out of. I don't necessarily assume that he's a short-term option. How do you feel about uh, A.J. Ramos as a Met closer? He's the guy who always showed up on my pitch-type leaderboards as having the best changeup in baseball. One of those, uh, you know, top three guys in terms of changeup whiff rates. You know, that's going to lead to good soft contact he's a 268 Babbitt on his career it's going to lead to a lot of strikeouts he's a good pitcher I don't know why his whip has been so high recently he's kind of lost a little bit of command of the zone um, but that hasn't been traditionally something that's kept a guy from being a good closer so he's you, struggling. you come in there you come in there with an empty slate if, even if you walk one guy you, you know you're, you're fine He's really struggling to get ahead this year. Uh, 47% first pitch strike rate is far and away a career low. For Ramos, mm. he was at 60% last year, 59% the year before. League average is around 60. Exactly. So he's been about average, which is nice, uh, despite having still a high walk rate because he doesn't have great control. Um, but but this year you look at it and you see the 13% walk rate and, and the first pitch strike situation, and it's just a bit more concerning. So he's falling behind in counts, and that's leading to some of the trouble that we've seen out of A.J. Ramos. But as you mentioned, you know he's got good stuff. He can still get swings and misses. He's still got an 11% swinging strike rate, which is down, but uh, you know not so far down that you're like, oh, it's, it's not fixable here for, for Ramos. So I think he could be a solid closer. I don't think you know uh, it's a total game changer or anything but these these closer these relievers you know in a in a two-month sample they can give you you know 35 innings well maybe that's too many what do you get like 10 innings like 25 innings uh 20 25 innings uh you know of really good work because you could catch like their best sample and maybe you know dan worthen has a little something for him where he's like okay do this a couple tweaks here and we'll get you back on track to where you were last year and the year before and, and the year before that three years of sub three ERA for Ramos, and then this year up at three ninety eight. So I think he'll be solid. Yeah, and um, if you're right, if Familia comes on, even if he takes the closer role, it's like for two weeks or three weeks just to see, you know, just to establish the pecking order for next year or something. Exactly. So it's not. Yeah, he's he's mostly, and I think he's he's the big winner in the bullpen. You know, there's another guy. There's a couple guys that ascended into the role, but are either on worse teams that will win fewer games. That's actually a thing. The teams that score more runs and have better bullpens around them 
create more save opportunities. That's the yeah, only there, sort of there's truth. always there's something that's uh, you know there there's like a a narrative that oh being on the worst team they're going to have close games when they do win they're going to have more saves. It's not true. It's just more wins equals more save opportunities. It's it's as straightforward yeah. as it seems. Uh, so you're right. You know probably of these teams that have a new guy, the Mets are actually probably the best team. Let's move into one of those guys, Shane Green, not Bruce Rondon. He mm-hmm. sucked so badly that you know, been, I should you know, have, I should have trusted you, man. It. That was it was one of those things where usage usage is the is the number one way to to know ahead of time. This is one of those times when usage just led us astray, just because I think the team wanted him to be well, Bruce Rondon to be the closer, and they wanted and it, just it didn't to work happen, out. <laughs> but he kept crapping all over the place, yeah. like explosive diarrhea all over the mound <laughs> oh, every man. time he went out, and so. I think you were on the at right the worst track. time too. I mean, just exactly they, they, they basically were about to award it to him, and then like three straight three run appearances. You're just like, eight what? runs in one and a third over three appearances yeah. with with eight hits, no walks, which is a plus for him, but only two strikeouts for Bruce Rondon. And so they might have wanted to do it because they've been grooming this guy for the closers role for a while, uh, and they just couldn't. So Shane Green, he's their best of, reliever this year, got the job. Well, second best to Wilson, but he he's got the a job. mediocre Rondon is a mediocre spin poor. Com- command high velocity pitcher which is you know there's a guy Mauricio Cabrera on the oh yeah on the Braves who I've I've pegged as similar Jumbo Diaz reminds me of of similar too, where he had the big heat but it didn't scare guys it was straight as an arrow and they would crush it and 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 spin is part of that part of that story and so sometimes you know spin is is meaningful I mean Andrew Bailey if he could have stayed in one piece, might have been the closer all year in, in Anaheim. And he throws 92, but he has the highest spin fastball in the league. So it's part of the it's part of the, the situation. I think Green, you know, the, the slider is so good. And he has good – he has closer velocity. I don't really see a reason to denigrate Shane Green at all. I think, you know, Ramos, Green, and the guy in Philly – are the three best new closers that I agree. Hector no... Neris is free. Well, let's, let's, let's bring him up. Fold, bring mm-hmm. him into the fold here. Hector Neris is now free and clear with both Joaquin Benoit and um, Pat Neshek getting Neshek traded around, yeah. in different deadline deals. So he he's good to go. Um, so no. Did he just go yard? Oh, you were yard. one second ahead of me. Wow. He Perdomo. dead center and he barely <laughs> flicked it. He was that like, is... eh. I'll just put that out there for 420. No big deal. Remember those Remember those prospect highlights where he looked like maybe he could be – well, he is an infielder, but he looked like more sort of lean and Athletic, long. yeah. He yeah. had he had that uh, he had that feel where you're like, you know what? This might this might stay at third. That, wasn't he a shortstop in the minors? Yeah, I think he's going to be like a David Ortiz event at the end of his career. Yeah, for sure. But he could be – like a David Ortiz in terms of hitting, though, too. He's a yeah, yeah, monster. exactly. By the way, the Padres uniforms that they're wearing today are awesome. Just, just, they look just I think they're just like '90s throwbacks. They're not any of the like special ones, but I like uh-huh. those ones. They're Trevor Hoffman era. Oh yeah, um, they're Hoffman. really nice. Oh, right, but what happened now? Just bad defense. It's it's second behind. baseman out in left field. Anyway, yeah. So what we were talking about, we were Back talking about Hector Neris. He's he's all alone. The only problem I would probably slot him behind the other two because the Phillies are in a free fall. They're, They're not really creating opportunities for him. I've had him in my ten teamer all year, and I every time I look down and see ten saves or whatever it is, I'm just like, what? You like you've been mostly the closer all year, and you have ten, twelve well, they, saves. They've jerked him around too because they, have they kept wanting it to give it to those other guys. I think they were trying to build the value, the the old build build the value with the saves of Nishek and and Benoit, and then well, actually of Benoit because Nishek was never really closing there. But yeah, he is the team leader with ten, and nobody else has more than two. That's that's crazy. That's that's, that's the team you worry about. <laughs> That's a team that you... You're so like, I think he has to be third. Even though I like what Hector Neris can do, I think he's a good pitcher. Yeah. Um, I, I think I have to have him third here. I think I'm going to go Ramos, Green, Neris. By the way, Green, 13% strikeout rate, or excuse me, walk rate. If it was strikeout rate, that'd be terrible. Uh, walk rate is pretty terrible at 13%. Watching him, this is uh, some one, one of the things I've noticed. First off, he doesn't really get chases. Um, this year, 
23% O-swing rate, down from 34 for his uh, for his career to that point, which is really weird. Uh, also nibbles a lot. When he gets in mm-hmm. trouble, man, does he panic. And so there's still some development there. I do like Shane Green, and I really got – Got hyped on that uh, on that first sample with the Yankees, and he looked good when he first started with the Tigers. Then he had thoracic outlet. I'd still think there's something here, but uh, there's still work to be done too. So that that's why I would put Ramos ahead. So I'll go Ramos, Green, Neris, and I think you agree. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Let's, I mean, let's I guess jump down a level a, now. Yeah, I think that Ramos is probably clearly number one, and the other two might be in a tier together because there's a little bit of. There's like a still like a five percent chance that Rondon takes it back from Green. Sure. I mean, Green could go and walk the lineup. It, it, just watch. You know, another name. I think my, I might the name I might have next on the list is Blake Trinan, and just, I just moved look, him up in the list. That's funny you said that. I just literally moved him up to next talking and, point. And look at what the problems he's had since he's moved into the to the yep. to the. You know, I did a piece about this. You know batters swing more in the eighth inning than they do in the ninth inning and they swing more when there's batters on base than when there's not batters on base you talked so, about that when he first got the job and he was struggling with it in washington is that the piece well, you're yeah, that's, that's, you... that's when the, the piece came out and actually for him it was even like across baseball it's a small effect and then in trinan's career it was huge he went from getting like 40 50 percent First big fish fish strike rates to ten percent as a closer. Holy Everyone crap. was just like, "Nope, I don't think you can put that in the zone because it looks nasty, and I don't even want to swing at and it." He can't. And yeah. it's the ninth inning, and I we need to get a base runner for to in order to do anything. So, yeah. So I'm curious because I feel like Zach Britton, who a guy you've a name you've invoked when talking about trying to because of the nasty sinker that he has. What changed? What 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 kept Britton? from having that same sort of fate because his sinker is that nasty. He could not command it as a starter, and that's why he had to go to the bullpen. But he hasn't had the same issues. Um, mm-hmm. You know, He still gets, although this year it hasn't, he hasn't gotten the O swing, but last year 30, uh, 37%, the year before 39% with solid first pitch strike rates. This year he's at 32% O swing, 52% first pitch strike, but I think some of that with Britain is health. But uh, how has he avoided that similar fate to Trinan? I need to see something here. Okay. You know, because the first year Britain was in the bullpen, he was not that good. No, he wasn't, and it was it was it was kind of middling for seventy six innings. Uh, oh the no, results he was still were starting. There. He was start. He was just starting in the in the, in twenty thirteen. Fourteen was his first year, but he had good results, but not not great skills. He did have a one sixty five yeah. ERA, but the but the strikeout to walk was uh, the strikeout minus walk was fourteen percent, which is pretty bland yeah. so the, the the pieces were there but it was a lot of babbit suppression he had a 215 babbit that year. i don't know why i don't know why um they're they're pretty similar in movement i mean that's the, the there's the dyson training and and britain cutter uh, britain sinker, sinker there's whatever it is that that pitch is is fairly similar uh across there's a kind of cops for each other mm-hmm. and britain's been the one who's done so well However, you know, this year has been a problem. Dyson had his problem and Trinan's had his problem. You know, maybe there's something, maybe what they're, maybe they're doing something like pronating heavily in the arm or something. Maybe they're doing something to get all that movement that isn't necessarily awesome for their health. So maybe it's, so, a, it's kind of a health thing or, a, you know. So you, you said you've got Trinan next in the list. He doesn't, he doesn't leapfrog really, Naris? No, I don't think so. I don't think okay. so because... You know, even when I talked to Bob Melvin about who would be the closer, he mentioned Frankie Montas. He mentioned Billy Taylor to you, which was weird, and you had to tell him that he's no longer on Oakland. That was just a strange experience. (laughs) And who's it? Montas would be awesome, by the way. Yeah, he he said that Frankie Montas, he didn't say, like, now. He was basically saying... Will could get there in time. That's yeah, because he's been he's been horrific this year. But I think I think he has that. Although I, we could be rondoning him, where it like it, it looks like it's going to be set up know. for a great uh, great closer one day, and then and then it never gets. He has, now he's got a lot more. His time. slider is better than Rondon's, and he's had better strikeout rates, and, and he's not as fat. <laughs> 
You said right? it, man. I so, did say so, it. So, so, I'm really interested to see what Trinan will do. I think they'll give him some run. You know, he's near to the end of his control, Life? I believe. Oh. No, that's, well, I mean, yes, we're nearer to the end than Montas, who's like a baby man. Yeah, Montas 24, Trinan's 29. He's uh, not a free agent till Trinan is good through 2020, though. So they got him for a he few is? years. Yeah. That's amazing. Because I guess as a reliever, you don't put up that much service time. But I think they could, they could, they could give it a shot. I, they, they, you know what? Billy Bean actually does care about the bullpen, and I think given Trinan's career to date, the the arbitration awards won't be so rapid. You know, if you're Roberto Asuna, oh man, in Toronto, going to skyrocket. Right, he's like first time he gets arbitration, he'll get like ten million dollars because. Because he'll have all these saves on his ledger, and he'll be like, "I'm I'm a closer, man," you know. Whereas Trinan, even if he gets like three saves this year, he'll go as a reliever, so they'll give him a million or two. And then even if he gets a lot of saves next year, you know, they may be building at that point. So Billy Bean has changed his tune recently. He said, "I would like to be able to afford to keep the next round of prospects." Mm-hmm. So he's talking about. Building a team for the new the new stadium, which may be you know 2019 2020, and uh, and he's building for that, and he wants to be able to maybe afford to keep that together. Um, and, and as an addendum to that, what has he spent the most on in the last three four years has pretty much been his bullpen. I mean, it's not a lot, but it's you know he's bought Madsen, you know he's he's spent some money on the bullpen. Axford, he's he's gone out and gotten bullpen pieces. So I could see them trying to run with training because. You know, Santiago Casillas pitching in the seventh right now. They just released John Axford. There's no they traded away Madsen and Doolittle. There's no there's no real other solution other than Montas, who's in the minor league. So, you know, it's sort of the situation with the next guy in Chicago, except that Trinan, I think, is a better pitcher than the next guy. In I Chicago. agree, and that that next guy is Tyler Clippard, who uh, who is pretty funny. Remember, I was on the on the cast last week. Lamenting my Tyler Clippard acquisition. Yeah, well, because it's like, oh, Swarzak's <laughs> going to take that. This, what's going on here? Swarzak there goes Swarzak. Gone, <laughs> and now it's a situation where it's wide open. Who the hell could possibly take it? Nobody. It could still be Jake Patricia. Patricia. I mean, Patricia's yeah. done it in the past. He has a really nice sinker. So, it's been so bad this year. Does he have a sinker and, on and par hurt. with those other guys? That we've no, been talking about? I don't okay. think so. Not and quite, he's hurt. I mean, he, I think that's what he was. He's just coming back from hurt. He has to show that he's healthy. I don't think that they're going to necessarily – it was an elbow hurt, so I don't think they're necessarily going to run him out there. And, you know, even though he has the nice 94-mile-an-hour fastball and the splitter, he's it's not that he hasn't had problems in the past. He's had wicked problems commanding it sometimes in the past. Petrushka you're talking about. Petrushka, yeah. So yeah. it's I think they would rather – and Clippard's the free agent, and this team is in the – bottom the very bottom of the rebuild they would like him to pitch like he did in new york get a few more losses on the ledger so they can get a top pick they might even yes they might like to lose games and and clippard is is a free agent so they don't care about what he's cost next year in arbitration or anything patrushka is going to be around another year or two so yeah you know i think i I, I think you're right there i think if you got clippard rick hahn is running the show and he cares about money he cares about money rebuilding you know about you know where he's in the draft. He cares about those things. I think he just get him and Rick Renteria was his hire, so he could easily say to Rick, you know, let's just put Clippard in there. Yeah, just just leave Clippard in there. Let's get to the finish line. We we kind of want to have a bad season. They could also <laughs> put Aaron Bummer in there because that's an amazing name. Oh I don't really God. think he's a candidate. It's just Are an amazing name to be the closer on a crappy team. Aaron Bummer. <laughs> what a bummer. Uh, let's see here. Uh, they should actually the give. Hang for, on, this this has yeah. to happen. They need what? to give Aaron Bummer's jersey to Tyler Clippard and just let him wear it. Because when he comes in, <laughs> that is a bummer, right? Like, come on. Anyway, continue. You want to say something serious? Um. So usually, what I do, we talk about role being king. Usually, what I do is just a very simple search. As a anybody who's looking for 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 closers, look at a team go into the team bullpen, go to standard, go to last 14 days and sort by holds. You know, who you're going to get the guys who pitch in wins. Yep. And, and pitch in leverage too. And pitch, pitch in leverage. Matters. So 
they've had one hold in the last 14 days <laughs> and Sweet. and it's Dan Jennings and he's gone. And he's gone too. Yes. So so let's go to 30 days and see if the last month helps us. Oh, oh look, it's Anthony Swarzak. <laughs> Swarzak and then probably Canely's in there somewhere. I'm Canely sure. blew a save. BS's can be interesting too because that means they were put in in it. So. Sure. So then there's uh David Holmberg. What tab who, do you click for that when you're under the team you uh Advance, I think it's oh, or standard even. I think it's standard. But yeah, then there's David standard. Holberg who who has a blown save and has a one percent strikeout minus walk rate. That's pretty uh, good. League that's average is awesome. twelve. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty dope. You definitely want a one percent. That's awesome. Five percent swing strike rate and a forty percent ground ball rate. I cannot uh, really find anything that. Oh, and an eighty-seven mile an hour fastball. He's a oh, he's, he's a, a bomber. Horse. He's, he's, he's an Aaron a, Bummer for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, so Clippers the guy there. You, you know what you're getting with that. You're, you're you're really just hoping for a handful of saves. That's what that he's below the line. By the way, that the, I think I forget which writer created it. Where the the line where all their stats oh, the ch- are so the, bad. The Chacon zone. Yeah, the Sean Chacon line. He's below that line. By the way, he's going to cost you. The only reason a roster clipper is if you can get three or four or five points in saves with incremental and, saves, yeah, like you're and your ERA close. is not gonna is not gonna get frittered away with some walk off blasts. Exactly. Um, all right. Next up is Miami. We had Kyle Bearclaw tabbed, which we were right because you mentioned a Don Mattingly quote, but then he got hurt, so Brad Ziegler's in the mix, and now he's got the gig with Ramos gone. What about Brad Ziegler? He's having a rough season uh, statistically. You know, 630 ERA, 183 whip, giving up tons of hits. His strikeouts are way down. They spiked to 7.7 last year, down to 5.1. So he's got a 1-3 strikeout-to-walk ratio. Now, he's never been good on strikeout-to-walk ratio. Uh, He's kind of maintained a 2, but at least a 2 is uh, all right, like passable. I remember when that used to be kind of the standard, but the the way strikeouts are up and walks uh, are down for a lot of guys – you got to get three to even start getting some attention, but he's at one point three. So Ziegler strikes me as as Clippardian, Clippardesque, if you will, where you might get a few saves, and if they're that important to you, I get it. But you could take some ERA and, and WHIP pain uh, for those saves, so that that calculus has to be worth it for you. What do you think about Ziegler in Miami? Well, I, I figure Bearclaw could still come back. Yeah. And That's why it could it. be short-term, too, so that makes it even yeah. worse than Clipper. And then Junichi Tazawa is there. I don't... He's never really gotten a shot. I, yeah, and then this what would be Dustin his time McGowan? for a shot, and something is wrong. He's not... Like, his his break, like his curve gets 1% whiffs. He should never throw that thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, his curve... Is exactly as likely to get to get a whiff as it is to give up a homer. <laughs> they have this exact same percentage. I've never seen that before. That's a pretty That's sweet, amazing. pretty sweet pitch right there. Probably. Um, oh, and given he's thrown fifty-two, it's probably given up a homer and gotten one whiff, which is more bad on the whiff side than it is on the homer side. Wow. So using your your holds theory here to just get the pool of players, we got Bearclaw at six over the last 30 days, DL. Tozawa, who you just mentioned, with five. So he's probably the the one lingering over Ziegler when Bearclaw's hurt. Phelps is gone. Uh, Somebody named Drew Steckenrider, that can't be Mm. real, uh, does have 12 strikeouts in his last eight innings while accumulating three holds. And then Yarlan Garcia is a lefty prospect. Uh, as a st- it was a starting prospect. Doesn't really look like he's going to be a great starter. Maybe he could kind of be that uh, that that future guy for them. I don't know. A guy I was the reason I looked at this. I wanted to see if Brian Ellington had any sort of uh, leveraged play, but he doesn't. And the only reason that he'd be interesting is he throws a hundred. But uh, it could be that that Mauricio Cabrera, Bruce Rondon type 100 where uh where it's not that great he's had a monstrously bad season this year with 20 strikeouts and 18 walks in his 16 innings so do not consider ellington so i think I it's tozawa or this stecken rider guy okay yeah i can't decide how um i guess like analytical uh the marlins necessarily are at least on the field not very yeah, so I can't tell. Like Steckenrider just came up for the minors, but he has the best mix of strikeout rate and velocity in the pen right now. 
and uh, his grading, you know, we have the little scouting reports. 70 fastball, 50 curve, 50 command. That seems like a decent... That would be, yeah. And right now, like, uh, I guess Tazawa's breaking balls are just the suck, and he, <laughs> like, he, I don't know All of why, them suck. I don't know if he just, I don't know why he keeps throwing. Like, I think he could almost, he, like, should just be, like, his countryman and just throw 50% four-seamers, 50% splitters. The splitter still gets 21% whiffs. It's still a decent pitch. I don't... Yeah, he's Maybe he just can't it command it. Like, Wehara can command it pretty well. And Wehara, like, throws high splitters, which I don't know that I've seen Tazawa do a it's, lot of that. It's crazy. Because uh, yeah. they probably look so juicy coming in, and then the guys just swing over or under them regularly. Yeah, uh, yeah Stecken Rider was really sharp in, in AAA this year, too. 11.9 uh, strikeouts, 2.2 walks, 4.9 hits in 33 in the third innings. If you're... And he's been pretty solid. It, if you're looking, Lamb, I, I think, and I think he's better than Patrishka, second rider is. Mm -hmm. So if you miss the first round, or if you just don't even, if you can't afford, like maybe it's head to head and you can't afford bad ERA and whip while you're trying to get saves, or if it's like saves plus holds and you're just looking for a new name. I think like Steckenrider is ahead of Patrishka, and if it's saves plus hold, I might put Steckenrider ahead of Clippard and Ziegler, because. He's going to be in the mix in the 8th inning, 7th, 8th inning. Miami might win just as many games as Chicago. And, you know, Ziegler and Clippert are, are not in the position right now to necessarily help you in ERA and whip. So, yeah. uh, you know, second rider is an interesting guy. Oh, and, and the third place that we haven't even gotten to, Minnesota, seems pretty, pretty foobar. I mean, let's, I, go, let's go ahead and jump there then. I don't think then. that I've seen a guy there that I want not a, not a <laughs> chance. They're, they're, it's a really anyone there game. is completely last on this. Uh, Matt Belisle and Taylor Rogers are the two guys uh, are the two names that that Rogers people is identify. Like a lefty though. Um, Belisle has three holds. Rogers has two in the last fourteen days. So they are the guys kind of getting the the leverage situations Belisle, there. Belisle's okay. I might put Belisle himself ahead of uh, Ziegler and uh, Clippard. He's an but okay he pitcher. He might he hold hasn't on been to named. It. He hasn't been named. Um, Belial is from Austin, and I know his cousins, so that should change your thoughts. Oh, That's well, important information. That should change. No, no, his cousin's a very cool no, guy. Ninety-one miles an hour. Not your typical situation. Also, no. not a lot of not a lot of strikeouts. So um, it's pretty. It's pretty things. bland. But I don't know. It, it, well, he hasn't. Like I said, he hasn't been named. Um, nor has Rodgers. No, nobody's been named there. It's like they're going to do committee. But I think uh, I mean, he's 37 as well. But Belial's been around for a while. I don't know, man. This If they're looking to next year, maybe they try Duffy in the role. I, but... That's who I wrote about when I when I did the um, the the trade deadline write-up, writing, write, writing about all these uh, trades. I said keep an eye on Duffy as somebody who might – might sneak his way in there. Fastball's up to 92 in the pen. Yeah, he's, he's been doing some things, so maybe he sneaks his way in there as, as early as a couple weeks from now and just kind of asserts himself as somebody uh, who should have that job. I don't see him as a game changer by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, that's... Probably better than the rest of the guys. Yeah, I, I would maybe... AL only, I might t throw a buck at him. If I'm... If I'm light on money right now and i'm trying to make moves and uh you know i can't necessarily get some of the the high ticket items maybe just speculate there for a buck but i don't really think miami's or excuse me minnesota's bullpen deserves much more attention so let's go to a couple of situations that are a little bit more wide open right now texas um is is a little bit wide open i think claudio is is the guy ish but then i think he pitched not in the ninth inning the other day so then you still have kayla Leclerc, we've been talking about this one for a while. So Forever. Claudio's the the only lefty I think in the bullpen too, which also makes it tough. Now I know he has like uh, let's see here, he does have saves. Wow, really ended up on Texas. I didn't even know that. Jeez, I did not know that. Uh, yeah, so he hasn't gotten a save since July twenty second, uh, and his last two outings were one was in the seventh, and he did finish that game, but he lost it. He, two and two thirds, two runs, and then yesterday. August 1st, Claudio pitched in the 8th of a 7-8 loss. And then LeClerc pitched after him. So if you talk about usage, it went Kayla, Claudio, LeClerc. 
So who are you handicapping there? Who do you want? Oh, that's weird. See, I would have said, you know, I think that the Rangers are somewhat analytical, but I don't think they're rebuilding. I think that they feel like they're going to be good again next year. So I think they would like to see if they have an internal closer. So I think they are not likely to throw Grilly out there. You know, Nor, Ke- Kayla has, you I know. Think he's the guy. If he's they're they're going to have someone emerge. 97 with a, with a great strikeout rate. Uh, history of good of good work, except for last year and a couple bumps this year. I know he's had, the, you know, the head stuff, but Leclerc, you know, doesn't have the same velocity. He's close in no. in terms of velocity, but he's well, they both throw ninety six this year. Even crazier command problems than Kila ever had. Mm-hmm. So, Kila is your is your dude, right? Fifty seven percent curveballs. Yeah. How much yeah. do you love that? Yeah, it's, I I saw him throw twelve, uh, like him and a bunch of other Rangers, but. He threw like four or five straight curveballs to Brett Lowry, and Brett Lowry saw like ten of twelve pitches were curveballs that day. That game that he struck out four times yeah. on all, yeah. like all on straight pitches, balls. right? Yeah, yeah, it was like all breaking balls. It was insane. <laughs> um, so Kayla, yeah, he had this. He had a, a issue. I think he was supposed to throw on a backfield game. He wasn't down for that or whatever. Got in some trouble, and so that's why he started the season in AAA. It wasn't because of his talent. It was because listen, you know, we're in charge here, and we're going to show you that we're in charge. But he's worked his way back up, and he's pitching pretty well this year. Like sixty percent Kayla, thirty percent Leclerc, ten percent Claudio. Okay, I might adjust a little bit more for Claudio if, but that's based only on like if lefties come up. Like I would say fifteen percent, maybe that's negligible. Kayla's yeah. the guy. That's where you want to be. Now the Washington situation is a little bit more settled, but I did want to talk about it just in case because they did get Brandon Kinsler. That's what opened up the Minnesota uh, situation there. In addition to their Doolittle and Madsen pickups, now Doolittle has pretty much been the guy since they got him. But does Kinsler linger and, and steal some saves, in your opinion, or is it still Doolittle's job? I think Madsen may take a Steeler, a Steeler save or two because he's a right-hander. So they may just want – he may just – like if Doolittle, if Doolittle comes up and he has like two lefties and then two righties, and maybe he walks a lefty and walks a righty or like there's two people on, right? Mm-hmm. You might go to Madsen for the next righty just because it doesn't look like Doolittle has the stuff. He doesn't have a platoon advantage. Situation with three righties coming up in the ninth. Maybe, you know, I could see that breakdown, you know, clean where he pitches an eighth because there's two key lefties. This is Doolittle I'm talking about. And then Madsen gets the. So you think Madsen's more likely to steal a couple of those vulture saves over Kinsler? The only way. Kinsler is the master of the ground ball. He's like top 10 in the last three years. He's really good at it. And I think that, that is who you bring on in the seventh for the to double, the erase a threat. Yep. Yeah. The fireman. Maybe, but maybe you would bring him on after Doolittle if Doolittle puts two guys on to erase the threat. Except you probably would have already used Kinsler if Doolittle's in the game. You know what I mean? It's yes. pretty rare to like save a guy as good as Kinsler just in case your closer blows up. So, so be, it, it goes back to Madsen, and that's a, that's a great I think point. It's a I think, fairly. I think you're right fairly normal setup where it'll be Kinsler, Madsen, Doolittle. It's a nice group of, grouping of guys. And if Kelly and Glover get right, Blanton, those guys, then they could actually have a plus pen. And Romero the, is a halfway season. decent second lefty. Yeah, and they kind of give – I think they give all those guys, you know, really low leverage opportunities to get healthy and get right and, um, and otherwise kind of rely on their, on their main guys. And uh, and you could see a situation. I mean, is that Oliver Perez even? And he's been pitching well. He's a he's a loogie. He's a loogie. Yeah, as hell, I mean, but... like if you like if you gave me a pen, I, I know it doesn't have like Cody Allen or Andrew Miller in it, but if you gave me a pen with this kind of situational arms, Doolittle, Madsen, you know, Blanton, like you got a righty up there who has trouble with sliders. You know, Blanton's going to come up there, and, and Kelly can do the same thing with well, a little bit more velocity. And, think about where they came from, too, right? Yeah. They they made it this far. They were still a, very, a top team with that god-awful bullpen, and now we're in a situation where they're, they've added several pieces, and all of a sudden it's actually a plausible bullpen. And we haven't even mentioned Matt Albers, and listen, he doesn't – Really moved the needle for me too much, but he's having a great season. 39 innings, 208 ERA, .92 whip. 
9.7 strikeouts, 5.8 hits, a little bit of a homer issue at 1.2, but uh, he can get you some outs as well. Yeah, I was, uh, why did Scherzer walk off the field the other day? Neck spasms. Apparently he slept on it wrong and, and the neck was hurting before uh, the game. For my narrative, I like to pretend that the home run caused the neck spasms, and <laughs> now we need the DH in every league. But, yeah, apparently it was before. I, I When I first saw it, after he hit the home run, I was like, oh, was this because of, you know, did he get hurt batting? But apparently he had woken up with it, and it was an issue. Um, but he's, he's expected to make his next start. He's visiting a chiropractor today to get it checked right. out. I, mean, that, I, I watched that happening, and he was definitely flexing that thing. Oh, and, uh, man, who was it? Who, who was that game against? Uh, let me see. The, the, the one where he left, because they were – oh, Arizona. Yeah. They were crushing him for his health, and then he got hurt. Like, they were saying it all throughout the game, and then he leaves – with the injury not all throughout the game it was two innings but like even before the game got started and he was doing that shakeout thing they were just like oh this guy can't stay on the field there's always something wrong with him and then he left and it was like oh damn they were proven right they were they're being kind of they're being kind of tough come on man he throws really hard and you know throws a lot of bendy stuff and you know maybe he does get hurt a little bit but a lot of 1046 innings of a 318 era yeah really really can we stop pretending like He's a disappointment. He hasn't done he sucks. Yeah. You know, I just I, I can't deal with it. It's so frustrating. Uh, anyway, you know, last one here, uh, and a bit of a question because I just don't know if he's got the job right now. But Arodis Viscaino in Atlanta might be the guy. Jim Johnson has a 6.48 ERA, uh, 18 base runners, and he's four for seven in saves in eight and a third July innings. So he's been really sketchy. He was just put on waivers too to try to get through for a potential August trade, which would of course open up the the the, the deal for Rodas Vizcaino. How do you feel about Vizcaino uh, in in Atlanta? Is he somebody you'd be speculating on, or is, is Jim Johnson just taking a breather? Now nah, you got to pick him up. This is a team that, misguided or not, thinks that they're close to being competitive. I don't think it's misguided. With all the p- young pitching that they've got, the, the the farm system they've got, Yeah, I don't think they're too far off. Why yeah, can't they and, be I mean, Milwaukee They, they also year? want to push it because they're in that, that stadium. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, next year they could, they could do a Milwaukee where they kind of compete for most of the year and I, I I don't know that Milwaukee's gonna make the playoffs, but like have that first year of of some success, and then be ready to go uh, in nineteen and beyond. But I mean, you know, with all the talent they've been accumulating in the minors, I, I don't think it's completely out of bounds for them to think that. Uh, are they hoping that Vizcaino's their guy for that for that uh, contending team? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's he's now I mean, he's been like a guy I said, who's dealt like with I injuries. I don't really though. buy into the Cabrera situation, so. Yeah, 100 miles per hour at uh, straight as an arrow. So yeah. uh, speculate on Vizcaino in all leagues or just NL? Well, let's just let's just put him on our list. I would say he's got to go behind the ones. I think he's got to go behind Ramos. Ramos, Green, Neris. I think he's got to go behind uh, all yeah, of them. I th- you know, you could throw him in that Green and Neris situation. I mean, you got to get ahead of the curve. And Would I drop Green for Vizcaino? I'd, I'd probably drop Trinan for Vizcaino. Okay. As much as I like Trinan, it's not a great team. He's, you know, had issues, doesn't have great command. And definitely everybody below Trinan I'd drop. Clippert I'd drop for Vizcaino. Ziegler, Ziegler Belial. Belial. What about like a Kayla versus Vizcaino? If they're both available. Ooh, see, that's very similar. And the carrot seems a little bit better in the Texas situation. I think I might favor Kayla a little bit, but I agree with you, Vizcaino. I'm not. I said definitely, but below Naris and Green. I think you're right. That's not necessarily the case. I, I could see a case of leapfrogging him over Naris uh, or even Green if you really wanted to. But I, I would personally stick with Green. But then Naris Vizcaino becomes a little bit more of a toss up for me, and I would have Kayla above both of them. You know, guess what? Yeah, we made it. We're gonna be hanging out in two days. That's right. Before that, you have to deal with the hell that is moving. Oh, yes. good Lord. I'm already sweating. So, I'm just sitting here sweating. <laughs> That's why we're a day early, by the way, for those that wondered. I wish you the best of luck in that, and I look I forward to it. hanging out uh, with you in Boston this weekend. Moving houses. I used to, yeah, I've moved probably. You've moved cities and countries, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you've, done, you've done. I've some. probably moved about 20, 25 times in my life. Oh, my God. 
I lived, I was born in Jamaica. I lived there until I was like three or four. Then I moved to Germany. Then I moved to Atlanta. Then I moved back to Germany. Then I moved to Atlanta. Then I moved inside Atlanta. Then I moved to Mountain City, Georgia. Then I moved to Vero Beach, Florida. Then I moved back to Atlanta. <laughs> then I went to boarding school in Boston. Every year, I, I, I'm cheating a little bit by maybe counting like dorm type stuff. But every year at prep school, I had to move you know dorm rooms. Sometimes twice in a year because we did little switches. Then moved to uh, college at Stanford. Moved every year and every summer. Mm-hmm. And then moved up to to San Francisco, moved to London, moved to New York. Every year in New York, I moved. And one year, I moved twice in one year. And we actually lived in one place for six months just because it was so awesome. And we just thought we would just take just it for six months. Take a try with it. Yeah, Holy it was Columbia hell. Student Housing. Then we moved out to Menlo Park. I moved from Menlo Park to Palo Alto. Moved from Palo Alto within Palo Alto. And those moves were the hardest because when we moved to Menlo Park, we had a house. And once you have a house, you have a yard. So much we had stuff. a basement with just extra rooms. You mm-hmm. kids, kids crap. Other we had other family members crap. I actually had like, you know, brought like I I found Humbio textbooks from middle school from my wife's sisters. So That's crazy. You know, we were like, you know, we need to get out of here. Uh, we need to throw stuff away. So, you know, yeah, housing, house stuff sucks. This will be the worst one uh, so far. And, um, you know, we, we, are, we are deep in it. So well, I wish you the best. Like yeah. I said, at least you have light at the end of the tunnel, a trip Friday to Boston with the Fangraphs crew. I'm getting really excited for the trip. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so I will see you in a couple days. Thanks for listening.